That is going to take some getting used to, let me tell you. Matthew chapter 22. And um, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 22. And uh, thinking along the lines of uh, sowing seed, I, we're going to, our message this afternoon uh, is going to be a continuation, if you will, or, or in addition to uh, that topic of the idea of uh, bearing precious seed. And uh, there's no doubt that uh, the Bible is very, very much interested in Christians being the vessels and the instruments that God uses and God has chosen to use to accomplish His work of spreading the gospel. I was thinking, uh, I don't know about you all, but this time of <clears throat> every two years it comes around, uh, I, I, get, I get tired of all of the politics, don't you? Uh, I'm interested in them. I'm certainly praying for them. I have certain opinions and beliefs that I vote for, and uh, I'm certainly interested in them. But, boy, just the, uh, the amount of money and time that is spent. I know on Tuesday last week when I went to vote, uh, got to meet one of our uh, state representatives out front, and uh, she was out shaking hands with folks in the cold weather and was all bundled up. And uh, it's amazing how many people were outside the polling booths and trying to give you information about this and that. Uh, took my kids to a couple of rallies the week before that. And it's amazing how many people at the second rally especially that were <coughs> handing out literature about different things. And uh, even at the first rally we went to, I believe Brother Harold got a little... Uh, card or something from somebody that was there and um, I got to thinking about this you know when when people are interested in politics especially here in the United States of America and they jump on board and they and in, in decide they're going to endorse a candidate and they um, begin to campaign for him it seems like they get very excited they're dedicated they're sold out to it and when there's an event they show up and they are uh, passionate, can we use that word? They are passionate about uh, getting the message out of their candidate of choice. And they go to great lengths. They put out signs and banners and uh, they rent large convention halls and uh, have speakers come in. And I mean, they, they make a big deal about it. They schedule and plan for months at a time and hundreds of thousands of man hours were spent during this past election time on both sides of people that were doing nothing more than investing their time, their interest, and their money in getting the message of their candidate across to people that needed to hear it. And I thought, that's how God's people ought to be. Uh, have you thought about this for a minute? If we believed as strongly about getting the Word of God to a lost and dying world as these candidates did about getting their political messages across, would we not go to the same lengths, invest the same effort, invest the same time, invest the same money? Amen? It should be. It's sad to say we don't. I'm not really certain what the reason for that is. Maybe, maybe we don't grasp the urgency of the task. Maybe we don't fully comprehend the absolute 
and distinct cost to those that do not trust Christ as their Savior. Maybe we don't understand that price. Maybe we're comfortable in what we have and us getting the assurance of our salvation has lent itself to apathy towards others in this area. Maybe we thought, as long as I'm going to heaven, that's all that matters. But I wonder often if we truly feel the way that many of these folks feel about things that, to be honest with you, in a hundred years are not going to matter. Over things that to us are of eternal weight and matter. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants saying, Tell them which were bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready, come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then said he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So the servants went out into the highways, and gathered together all, as many as they found, both good and bad. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there was a man which had not in a wedding garment. He saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Father, we pray that you'll bless the message, and Lord, use it this morning to, or this afternoon to encourage us in this thing of uh, soul winning and sharing the gospel. Lord, time is growing very, it's growing very near. Lord, we have a great task to do. I pray that you would help us to be uh, as concerned of it as we ought to be. Lord, may we develop a passion, an absolute love for sharing the gospel, the urgency of of the matter. Lord, use us to fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that we would see fruit for our labor. Lord, I pray that you bless this message and may it strike home. May it be something we carry with us and meditate on and allow it to influence and to affect our lives daily. Bless it and use it. And may your Holy Spirit move in this service as he would see fit. Father, for those that are not able to be with us this afternoon, I pray that you would help them in the next week to be able to make plans to be with us next Sunday. Father, that we would be a help and a blessing to them. Bless all that we say and do here this afternoon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've read a parable here, and I want to point out a few things very quickly about this. <coughs> As Jesus is using an idea or a picture of 
a wedding ceremony that's been being prepared. And it's time for the folks that are going to attend the marriage to come and be a part of it. And uh, the Bible says in verse number 3 that uh, this king sends forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. And I just I want to start by saying this, that we find at the very onset a relationship that's given in this story that is not spoken of uh, throughout the story in the area of trying to understand it, but I want us to understand this relationship of a king to the servant. The idea that the king is the one that is giving the servant a job to do and the servant's responsibility is to do what the, what the king has bid him to do. And there's a relationship in our lives, you and I, that we have with God himself and that is the same relationship that is pictured here of a king and his servants. And the king is, is certainly interested in getting those that would come to the marriage ceremony to come. And you and I have been given the opportunity and the privilege. And can I tell you this morning or this afternoon, it's a privilege to be used of God to do His work, isn't it? And He says to the servants in verse number 3, He sends them to call them that were bidden to the wedding, that they would come and they would not come in verse number 3. And then again, the Bible says, He sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which were bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed. And all things are ready, come unto the marriage. When Jesus ascended back into heaven, he said, Behold, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. And can I tell you this? Uh, there's coming a time God is making ready. And there's coming a time when he's going to send forth his son to come and take home those that have trusted Christ as their Savior. We call it the rapture. And I'm going to tell you, we're looking forward to that day. I believe it will happen in my lifetime. I believe it will happen at any moment, and that time is short. With that being said, it is so important and so urgent that we accomplish the task and the work that the king has given to the servant to do. And he tells us in verse number 5 that those that, that were bidden, it says, but they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm and another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. And I want us to understand this because our message is not going to be on the fact that we need to go and win people to Christ. We already know that. Amen? We are in agreement here that Christians already know that our responsibility, the commission that the king has given to you and I as servants, is to take and go into the highways and the hedges and to compel them to come in, right? We're on that same page? Okay. The message this morning is in this, that we find in verse number 5 that it says that there were some that made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise, and the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. If we understand this parable correctly, which I believe we are, they're looking at it the correct way this morning, or this afternoon, is that there is going to come time in trying to share the gospel with folks that... They're not going to be real receptive to it, are they? Reagan's back there laughing because I keep saying morning. But there are going to come times, aren't there, when we're going to knock on a door or we're going to hand a tract to somebody or we're going to share the gospel with them and they're going, to, they're going to snicker or they're going to laugh or they're going to say, I am not interested in this. And here's the problem that I know I battle with in my life and that I find many times in a Christian's life 
when it comes to this thing of soul winning and knocking on doors and telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ, is that the more that there is a rejection of Christ, the more frustrated we become and sometimes even the more careful we are about telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ. We begin to start becoming discouraged in it. We begin to start taking offense in it as if they were rejecting you or I. But understand this, that they are not rejecting you and I, they're rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the great travesties, I think, that happens in the day that we're living in, one of the great problems in our churches, is that we have a lot of folks that will not share the gospel for fear that there will be, there will be a spitefulness there. For fear that there will be some folk that will say, uh, I, I, don't, I don't really have a, a time for this right now. I don't really have... There, there's times I've been walking down the sidewalk from house to house and you get to one where they have a gate in the front yard and there's one in particular, a man sitting on the porch. And as I'm walking down the sidewalk, before I even turned into his house, he said, I'm not interested. I said, you don't even know what I'm offering. I said, what if I'm offering $100 bills to people? He said, well, are you? I said, no. <laughs> but he didn't know what I was coming for. And there's, there's a fear, isn't there not? After a while of getting rejected and, and pushed away and turned away so many times, we, we become fearful or we become discouraged. Maybe not fearful, but discouraged would be a better word. And we get to the point where we say, you know what, Lord, if they're that way, then I'm just going to give up on not realizing that the very next house may be somebody that's sitting there and in their heart are seeking for God and just praying that God would send somebody by to talk with them. You don't know what the next house holds, do you? You don't know what the next person you share the gospel with, what their heart is going to be. We talked about the different soils this morning in the first service. Can I tell you, my friend, we don't know what the next person's heart is going to be like, do we? And I want to encourage you through this because I want you to notice that the, the master, the king, sends his servants the first times and the Bible says they would not come. So he sends another set of servants. And this set of servants is treated spitefully and some are even ridiculed and even put to death. The Bible says that there was a remnant that treated them spitefully and slew them. And then the Bible says, but when the king heard thereof and he takes uh, out his vengeance on those that denied his servants... But then he goes, and the Bible says in verse number 8, Then saith he to his servants, now this is what? how many times now? We've seen the first servants rejected. We've seen the second servants rejected. Now what do we see here in verse number 8? We see now how many? The third time, right? Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways. And as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. Can I encourage you this in this thought this morning? Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged in sharing the gospel. You say, Brother Greg, they might spitefully use me. They might even threaten me. There was a time in college that a young person knocked on a door and a man came to the, the door with a gun in his hand, told him to get off his property. You say, Brother Greg, uh, that's an extreme case, and it is. But isn't it worth it to share the gospel with somebody? You leave the house like that and you think, boy, I'm never going to another house again. I don't want to be in that situation. But we don't know what's in the heart of the next person. 
Those that were bidden were not worthy, the king said. Those that had spitefully treated his servants and had slain them were not worthy. So the king then comes and says, now I want you to go out into the highways and the hedges. And notice what it says here in verse number 9. As many as what? As many as what? Verse number 9. As many as, as ye shall find. That's everybody you come in contact with. <clears throat> I hate to say it this way because politics has such a terrible, terrible uh, taste in our mouth, especially this time of year because we're so sick and tired of it. But can, we do, can I say this? We ought to be the same way those politicians are about their cause with everybody we come in contact with about the Lord Jesus Christ. Shake their hand. I met Becky Ruth the other day. Walked up to her on the sidewalk. I knew who she was. She came up, shook my hand. She said, hello, I'm Becky Ruth. I'd sure appreciate your support today. I thanked her for her service. And I thought, you know, why is it that they can be so passionate about their politics and God's people cannot be that passionate about sharing the gospel? You say, well, Brother Greg, I might get ridiculed. Okay, keep going. Well, Brother Greg, you don't know. They might threaten me, okay? Keep going. Why do we keep going? Because I want you to notice what verse number 9 says. Look real close with me. Go ye therefore into the highways and hedges, and as many as ye shall find. Do we see that? Bid to the marriage. So those servants were frustrated at the first two results and said, no way. Is that what your Bible says? No, mine doesn't either. It says this. So those servants, what? Went out. But Brother Greg, they've, they've, they've ridiculed. They've spitefully used us. They've threatened us. What do you do? Go on. Keep knocking on the door. Keep handing out the track. Keep sharing the gospel. The king said, listen, servants, this is the third time. I know the last batch, they killed them. But I still want you all to go, and I want you to go everywhere you can. Find it. doesn't matter who they are. I don't care who they are. I want you to find them and share the gospel with them. I want you to bid them to the wedding. Can I tell you this? God is no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter how rich or how poor. It doesn't matter how good or how bad. It doesn't matter whether they're good, well-mannered or ill-mannered. It doesn't matter if they're well-educated or uneducated. God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. So he goes to his servants the third time, and he tells them, I want you to go out, and look what verse 10 says. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both good and bad. Now, I want to stop right there, and I want you to notice this. Not the first time, not the second time, but the third time. When the servants were obedient, they go out, you say, Brother Greg, what does that tell you? That tells me that it doesn't matter what happens in the last one I shared the gospel with, there's another one to reach. doesn't matter how well I was accepted or rejected at the last one I shared the gospel with, there's another one to share the gospel with. Because look what it says in verse number 10. And the wedding was furnished with guests. I love that. I think one of the problems that plagues a lot of churches and a lot of Christians when it comes to this thing of soul winning 
is we quit when the conditions get a little difficult. When, when, when the task of sharing the gospel becomes burdensome, we quit. When we get frustrated or we get embarrassed or we feel rejected, we quit. It's amazing to me, especially in this past election we just had, how many races are so closely fought. How much ridicule and mud was slung at many of the candidates. And yet they said, we will not quit. What does it take to get us to quit sharing the gospel? Hold your place here for a moment. Turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter number 6. Galatians chapter number 6. I want us to look at something very quickly here. The Bible says, and we're going to begin in verse number 6. Paul's giving some final words of admonition and encouragement to the church at Galatia. He says, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us, I want us to notice verse number 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall, what's the next word? Reap. If we what? Let's read that again. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Wouldn't we say that this verse could also say this? That if we faint, if we quit, if we get frustrated, if we throw our hands up, there will be no reaping. It takes someone with perseverance. It takes someone that's able to say, I'm not doing this because I want men to like me. I'm doing this because they have a need of meeting the Savior. I'm not doing this so that I can have my ego stroked or so that people can like me or I can become well-known or famous or wealthy. I'm doing this because there's a lost soul that needs to meet the Savior. And the urgency with which we do this many times is proportional to how discouraged we get and as Galatians says it, how close we are to fainting. I wonder today how passionate we are. Do we understand the permanency of a lost soul drifting into eternity? It cannot be changed. There's a great gulf fixed. It is too late. We only have a short period of time to reach folks with the gospel. What are we doing with it? Are we passionate about it? Do we put our time, our resources, our effort into it? Are we compassionate towards them? Do we have a burden for them? Look with me, if you will, in the book of 1 Samuel and we'll be done. 1 Samuel chapter number 17. Very familiar story. I love this story. Of David being sent to take food to his brother and brothers. And it eventually uh, 
finishes the story with his victory over Goliath. But I am very much impressed with the character of David as a young man leading up to being used by God to deliver the nation of Israel from the hand of the Philistines. To me, it's amazing that this young man has more character than many people have in their lifetime. I'm not saying he was perfect. Certainly, we know David had his flaws, didn't he? He had his moments of weakness, just like anyone else. But the Bible says that he was obedient to his dad. And as we get to verse number 28, the Bible says, And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And I want you to just make note of that fact that David certainly had a cause. He believed in what he was doing. And can I tell you this? I believe that's, that's absolutely imperative for Christians. We must believe that if a man does not trust Christ as his Savior, he will be lost for eternity. He will go to a devil's hell for eternity. We must believe that. If we don't get a hold of that truth, if we don't understand that, if we don't hold to that and say, well, I, I know we hear that in the Bible, but it's just something I read. Do we feel that in the very fiber of our being that a man that is lost will go to hell, not just for a while, but forever and forever and forever? And David says, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? There was something David held to, something David believed in, so much so that when his brother ridiculed him, his eldest brother, the one that was responsible many times for overseeing all of the other brethren, when he comes to David and he chastens him and he gets on to him for being a naughty fella and saying, listen, David, you're being mischievous, you're disobeying Dad, you're not, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're not doing right. Notice what happens. David replies, is there not a cause? In other words, Eliab, this is more important than what you understand as my eldest brother. And I want you to see what it says in verse number 30. I love this. I'm glad the Lord put this in Scripture. And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. Why? Because David believed in what he was doing. There was no amount of discouragement that was going to come that was going to cause David to turn from his responsibility. There was no amount of persecution or tribulation that was going to come his way. There's no amount of discouragement that was going to cause David to say, I didn't sign up for this. But David so believed in what he was doing, this cause that he was holding to, that the Bible says he turned from his oldest brother to another person. And spake after the same manner. Why? Because you never know the heart of the next person you're going to speak to. You say, Brother Greg, I get discouraged in sharing the gospel. I used to do it years ago. And, and I, I got tired of people kept ref, refusing it and wouldn't have anything to do with it. I've tried it even recent days. And, and people seem to turn me away too much. And I'm just discouraged in doing it. I thought, what's the use? In the day and age we live, we can't share the gospel with people. Oh, yes, we can. And God longs for us to. I wonder if we could get a hold of this cause. 
and be as passionate about it as many of our politicians are about their cause. Isn't the cause of winning men to Christ, rescuing their souls from hell, isn't that a far, far greater cause than any political cause we know of? Amen? This thing of eternity. We're not talking about a four-year election or a six-year election. We're talking about eternity. Can we not get as passionate about men's souls? Can we not be as much fervent in our actions as we've seen recently displayed in our political society? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could say, Lord, I haven't been busy doing this. I've really gotten discouraged at it. But I want to recommit myself to it. Today. Veterans Day 2018. It would be a great and easy day to remember. The 100th anniversary of Armistice. On that day. I said Lord I'm recommitting. I'm signing up again. I'm saying Lord today's the day. And I'm going to be as passionate and I'm going to be as strong and I'm going to be as fervent in sharing the gospel with people as any other cause that's out there. Because, folks, our cause is far greater. The rescuing of a man's soul for eternity. Let's stand together, shall we? We'll have just a verse or two of invitation if Miss Evelyn and Miss June would go to the piano and organ. We'll give opportunity for folks to respond to the preaching this morning. The king sent the servants the first time and they were turned away and denied. The second time they were persecuted and even killed. But the third time, through perseverance, through having a passion for accomplishing the king's task, the servants were able to see the house filled. Father, we pray that you'll bless the message. And Lord, may we not be weary in well-doing. May you give us the strength. May you give us the boldness. May you give us the passion, the zeal, and the fervency. Lord, we ask you this morning, would you give us your Holy Spirit's power to enable us. Lord, may we have a renewed vision, a renewed desire to see those that are lost come to a saving knowledge of you. May we be busy sharing the gospel and praying for those that we share the gospel with, fervently seeking for them, compelling them to come into the house of the Lord. That they would have their hearts and their minds pricked by conviction through the Holy Spirit and through the power of Your Word being presented to them. Bless the invitation. Lord, speak to our hearts. Encourage us. May we do your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With heads